Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. If you haven't gotten a fantasy pass or a draft guide at this point, what are you even doing here? I ask for almost nothing all season long. There are times where I, I don't want to say beg, but yeah, I mean, I probably have a whole lot of pride anymore. Yeah, I probably beg a little bit for you guys to drop five-star reviews on things, but that's not this time of year. That's somewhere in the middle of the season, a couple months from now, whatever it is. But right now, this offseason, every offseason, from now until opening night, this is when we need you guys to throw just a few coals on the fire. But more than that, you will love it. That's the true beauty part of this. The Sports Ethos Draft Guide, which, of course, also everything included in the Fantasy Pass. I would steer you towards that, do my best sales pitch here. Fantasy Pass is better. It's like an extra $5 over the course of six months, and you get so much more. But right now, you got team previews with minute-per-game projections built in on that, over 300 player profiles. End-of-year studs from last season that can carry over as sleepers into this year. Fact, fiction, cash counters, and more. All coming. Every few days, more stuff gets dropped into the Fantasy Pass. It also has football in it, if you're into that sort of thing. The Fantasy Pass has it all. Go to sportsethos.com, hover over the premium tab, and you can get an idea of everything that's involved in it. This is when we need you guys to check out what we are selling here at Sports Ethos. I don't bug you about buying stuff at any point during the season other than this run-up. So check it out. Get yourself a fantasy pass or a draft guide. You'll thank me immediately. You'll also thank me later after you win or have an amazing draft. And, and this is, of course, everybody's favorite part, draft guide and fantasy pass both come with the Brewski 150 That drops in the draft guide five days before the season, 10 days before the season in the Fantasy Pass. And if you want to get something like a Ethos 360, which has DFS and betting in it as well, the Brewski 150 comes much earlier in those as well. And I'm going to keep saying as well as many times as I need to to make this point land. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. Happy Labor Day, everybody. It's day off. I'm going to be hammering you with that promo from now until the start of the season. There'll be other stuff going on that I want to talk about as well, and I'll try to remember to throw that into the middle of the podcast. I often forget because my shows are not scripted. I write down two or three things, main large topics that I want to get through on a show. I have about 30 tabs open in a browser, and then we're just rolling. I find that's more fun for me. I hope it's also entertaining for you guys I don't know it's the way I've done it so screw it that's the way we're going to keep doing it I'm Dan Vespris follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespris D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S this is the time of year where I have to start doing that again because there are new listeners this time of year which is always very cool welcome really happy to have you guys along maybe not on Labor Day I don't know what kind of listenership we're going to have on a holiday but uh, you'll all be you know, lightly hungover listening to a bunch of these shows tomorrow morning. So we're doing it anyway. At Dan Bespris again on Twitter. Sports ethos is sports. It's plural. Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. 
is the spelling on that. And then I'll be tweeting about it rampantly. So if you find me, you'll find all the stuff that we were just talking about as well. On Friday's episode of the show, we did a mock draft. Uh, we still have the uh, Donovan Mitchell trade to cover. I'm kind of not so secretly waiting to see if Utah does anything else in the next couple of days. I would love it if they did because I'd hate to do this breakdown and then have to re-break down like a day later. So we're going to push that a little farther down the line. We're just going to keep shoving it until it's... Uh, relevant i don't think many people are having their drafts right now so i don't know that we need to do like a mega donovan mitchell deep dive the the very quick version and again we'll do more of it either tomorrow or the day after or something like that depending on when utah's done making their moves is uh you know high usage guys joining the same team they're gonna see their values dip and then teams where you you've created kind of a usage vacuum there are other guys that are going to step into it so that's the very obvious takeaway from that quite large trade. Uh, but again, we, you know, we're not going to dive too far into it because with looking at Utah, we're still thinking Boyan Bogdanovich is almost guaranteed to get moved. He's on an expiring deal that makes him a much easier piece to uh, to shuffle because he's not going to screw up anybody's cap beyond this year. I I, I do wonder about Mike Conley with another year on his deal after this one, seems, I don't know, like, he's obviously slowing. So what team really wants two years of that, and then they become, a, you know, a bit hamstrung? Like, I've heard the Lakers mentioned a bunch of times, but why would the Lakers want, I get Mike Conley's a better fit than Russell Westbrook is, but is he so good of a fit that you're willing to pay him for two seasons like he he just doesn't seem that good to me anymore i'd rather have the indiana deal whatever that's worth so today uh i want to go through some of what yahoo's been screwing with because we talked about it a bunch on the friday show or maybe i should say we sort of hinted at it we touched it tangentially on friday show going through the mock draft which is yahoo made a huge series of adjustments to their pre-ranks. There are a couple of little minor tweaks after that. So they dropped the pre-ranks at the beginning of August. And then like a week and a half after that, they had a medium size tweak. And between then and, and you know, four days ago, whatever it was, there was like a, a, you know, a name moved, one name moved here and there. It wasn't much, minimal. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Thursday of last week, just this huge player dump. Everybody all over the map. So what I want to do today and possibly into tomorrow, depending on how long this thing takes, is analyze the new Yahoo board. Mostly because, and I know what, you know, the first thing that pops into my head, and I'm guessing it's probably the first thing that pops into yours as well, is, Dan, what are we even doing here? They're probably going to adjust the board again. You're right. They are going to adjust the board again. But I don't know how many of you have drafts going during each of these Yahoo pre-rank iterations. So I want to make sure that if you have one going, you know where we, I, whatever it is, this podcast stands on the current board. And also, I think it's relevant to see which direction players are moving because sometimes that's a, a, a trend. Sometimes it's a precursor of additional movement in that same direction. And sometimes I think players end up getting moved so far that they then move into the analyst spotlight. 
which does actually play a pretty substantial role in whether someone then moves back in the previous direction. So you've got the whole tracking trends versus rebounds thing going on. And, and you know, ultimately, I do think the big reason, though, is pivoting back to the, the first thing I mentioned, which is, like, if you have something going on right now, you want to know what we're looking at. So anytime they do these big things, we're going to look at it. So let's start at the top, see what we can break down here. I don't know. What the hell did we just talk about the last eight minutes? Fantasy? Well, a lot of it was. I did, like, a two-minute promo, but... Man, I get lost in thought. Nikola Jokic remains number one in the Yahoo pre-rank board. Kevin Durant remains number two. Joel Embiid has now moved back in front of Trey Young for that number three slot. This is all interesting. I don't mean to get off track here quickly, but screw it. We're off track quickly. Uh, Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Because the the Giannis Lucas stuff happening in ADPs sort of happens independent of this because of points leagues, really. And with Luca, 8-cat would have a pretty substantial impact as well. Uh, Trey Young is number four. In nine category boards still, I, I still don't fully understand how he can be that high. Steph Curry moves up to number five. Cat is number six on nine cat boards now. Or I shouldn't say nine cat. I guess this is just Yahoo's board. Jason Tatum, seven. Giannis, eight. Luka, nine. But again, one of the beauty things going on there is that those two guys are always going to go earlier than their pre-rank. Those are the guys that do it. Because they score a ton of points, they grab a ton of rebounds, they get a bunch of assists. The popcorns. The popcornses are big. Jokic has big popcorns, but also his percentages are amazing. James Harden is number 10. He's been very slowly inching his way up the board. I'm a little surprised to see Yahoo make this move, but I think it had a a bit to do with kind of a reflection of the fact that people just sort of feel good about Harden this year. And I don't blame them. I Like I already said, w- during our betting shows, Philly is one of my favorite overs this year. I just think the vibes are good. Yeah, I'm rolling on vibes. LaMelo Ball, number 11. That's where he's been camped out. LeBron officially now number 12 on the pre-ranked board. He's, he's into the first round. Kyrie Irving, number 13. You'll notice John Morant is nowhere to be found for now, but don't worry, we'll get to him. I remain intrigued by the fact 
that Yahoo is planting their flag on Kyrie Irving as a guy to go on the turn, even though the general public is not very excited about Kyrie. And frankly, I'm kind of impressed. Good on you, Yahoo. Because that's where, I mean, he belongs in that neck of the woods because he's going to be a first-rounder per game, almost definitely. And then you're just trying to gauge how many games he decides he doesn't really feel like playing in. Uh, his ADP is is still in that range, and we can kind of reflect over that to see what, what some of these new ranks have actually done in their first four or five days. Anthony Davis, number 14. DeJounte Murray back up to number 15 on the pre-rank board. And he's all over the map. Speaking of guys that have sort of bounced around and rebounded, DeJounte Murray is the ultimate case study in this because the ranks came out before the trade, I believe. Wasn't that before the trade? And so he was a first-rounder, and rightfully so, because that's what he did last year. And then he got moved, and then his pre-rank fell into the late 20s, and then it was just sort of very slowly inching forward to like 26, 25, and then whammo now, 15. That is a saucy move, Yahoo. Saucy. His ADP is back under 24, and it'll keep moving that way because of where they've placed him now. I'm somewhat grateful like, a guy should either be too early or too late on the Yahoo board. The only thing I hate is seeing someone who's accurately ranked because that means that either if someone's too late, then that means that they're a value. If someone's too early, that means that they're going to push other guys down the board to create values for us. Either way, that's a good thing. When someone is accurately ranked, that does nothing for us. It does nothing for me. Now, DeJounte Murray is now too early. After he had probably been too late. We bounced right past the good spot for him, which probably would have been like beginning of the third. His elevation has pushed Dame down to 16, which I don't know how much this actually plays out. Like where do, I think Dame is probably going to get drafted 13, 14 in most drafts. But if he falls to 16, then you know if you had like the ninth pick or whatever you might have a gift fall into your lap. Tyrese Halliburton has moved all the way up to number 17 on the pre-ranked board. We knew this was going to happen. He was the ultimate hype train guy. When he came out with a pre-rank in the late 20s or whatever it was, was he might he might have even been at 30. I've already forgotten now. Whatever it was, it was too late. It was third round, somewhere in the third. And every analyst on planet Earth was like, this dude. I'm like, okay, well, he's going up the board. He was going to go earlier even if Yahoo doesn't adjust their pre-ranks on him. But they did, and they should. Like, I think we had a feeling it was going to happen. Here's the other thing I want to mention. They've got Halliburton playing 77 games, I believe. Is that their projections here? Let's see if we can get this number on Tyrese. They've got him playing 78? Oh, come on. Woo! Yahoo, you are... You're really getting into the groove here, aren't you? They've been, um... Wow. These are some aggressive game-played numbers. Halliburton, 78 games on a tanking Pacers team? I don't know, man. 
anyway, 17 is fine. Um, I'd still take him there, uh, but I don't think he's getting anywhere near 78 games played. They'll, they'll give him some days off. They'll probably shut him down down the stretch because everybody wants a little Wembenyama this coming draft. Someone's going to have to lose some damn ball games down the stretch. Uh, Devin Booker is moved up a couple of slots, number 18, which that's annoying to me because I kind of liked him at 21-22, which I realize is splitting hairs a tiny bit. But again, this does now, you know, some guys that I liked less got moved behind him. And so that really all that it did is it decreased the odds of you getting Booker if you have picked 20 or 21 or something like that. So if you get stuck in that range, which would be like, what, the fourth-ish, fourth-fifth pick, third-fourth-fifth pick in the draft, just know that Booker's probably not getting back to you anymore. So start making alternate plans for someone who I, whose name I have not said yet, basically. Meanwhile, Darius Garland, uh, this pre-rank came out right before the trade, so expect this one to shift, but he actually got moved up did Garland to number 19. Whoa. Before the trade went down. He will now go down the board a little bit, as will Donovan Mitchell, who got slotted right in behind him at number 20. And this is actually one of the reasons that I don't like the trade from a fantasy standpoint. Because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland were going to get overdrafted, most likely this year, in this 19-20 range. Where with Garland, you knew guys might, you know, Colin Sexton was likely to come back. That was going to take a, a chunk out of it. Remember, Garland was more like a top 60 range guy before everybody else got hurt. That's when he moved into that 20-something range. Well, now everybody knows. These guys that were maybe going to come back, like Sexton was maybe going to come back at some point early in the season, and Ricky Rubio somewhere during the season, and like Will Karras Levert have settled in a little bit more. All of those little things were going to fly semi-under-the-radar with Garland. Donovan Mitchell doesn't fly under the radar. That is a big name that just got tied into everything going on in Cleveland. So you had these guys now, ranked pre-ranked 19 and 20. Also, by the way, expected to play a ton of all games. They got Garland at 76. Expected games played. They got Donovan Mitchell at 74. Unlikely in the modern NBA. Yeah, whose games played numbers are just nuts. Kyrie Irving at 58. They went way low on that one. But then, like, you got Paul George at 69. You ain't got anywhere near that number lately. Seems like they did a really good job with a handful of these, and then they were just like, meh, and started throwing darts on a bunch of them. Like, Luka at 74, that's a lot for him. Harden at 75, that's a huge number. Very few players got anywhere near that mark last year. Whatever, doesn't matter. We're going to get sidetracked by Yahoo's games played projections, which are seemingly on the whole kind of equally high for everyone, so I guess that evens out as long as they shot too high with everybody. It does eliminate the 10th category is what kind of what they've done. Again, I, whatever. We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll loop back around to that at some point in the future. DeMar DeRozan at number 21 got moved up the board quite a bit, actually. DeMar, his ADP was in the late 20s, and his, his pre-rank, I think, was in the was around 30. Uh, I don't know, maybe this is the, this is the Lonzo Ball not expected to start the year reflection, but maybe it's just a, oh, we finally remembered that, like, DeMar was really good last year. I, I, I don't entirely know, but he was number 26 per game last season in a, a situation where it doesn't seem like he could get any better. 
I don't understand this over-adjustment on DeMar. So this is one of those ones. Okay, so I, I just talked about how annoyed I was that Garland and Mitchell were are, are about to both get bumped down the board, meaning we're going to have a, a, a lower chance of getting some of the guys we actually wanted to get in this range. DeMar moving way up the board like this does help us a little bit. Because I don't want to take DeMar DeRozan at the end of the second round. And someone might now, because his name is there, someone might. You know, if you're in a hyper-competitive league, he probably just sort of falls past this point. But someone's going to do it if your league is even one click down from over the top, we're all a little bit nuts competitive. And so that brings other players we like one slot closer to whatever our next pick might be. I like looking at Yahoo's projections. Some of them are so crazy. Uh, Bam Adebayo is number 22. Biff. Eh, you know, I we, we've kind of seen what he is now in the Heat current iteration, and it's a 30-something ranked guy. So that's fine, I guess, but it's just it's more exciting stuff there. Paul George at 23 is certainly more exciting than Adebayo. That's a situation where you're like, okay, well, how many more games? How many games edge? does Bam have over PG? Because George is almost definitely going to have a higher per-game ranking between the two. Paul's probably targeting like a late teens per game, 17, 18, 19, something in that neck of the woods. Maybe his efficiency improves and he can go a little bit higher than that. But he's also someone that hasn't gotten anywhere near a full-game slate since he came to the Clippers. So the fact that Yahoo has him at 69 games, well, you know, I guess that's true if you think DeRozan and Adebayo, and Donovan Mitchell, and Darius Garland, and Devin Booker, and Tyrese Halliburton, and Dame Lillard, and Don DeJounte Murray. All of those players who I just listed in front, Yahoo has in the mid-70s in games played. If you think that's true, then fine. Paul George does get to 69, or you just take all these numbers and ratchet them down a little bit, and say with PG, if we can get to 65, I'll feel pretty good about it. Demonis Sabonis is at 24. I'm totally fine with that. Anthony Edwards is at 25. He's been steadily moving up the board. And his ADP is following. You heard in our mock draft on Friday, he went at 13, which is a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But at the same time, you get it. This is the direction he's headed. Anthony Edwards is someone who's on the move up. Meanwhile, Dan Vesper's favorite, Freddie Van Vliet, uh, is is just sort of camped out at the beginning of the third round. His, his pre-rank almost didn't change at all. And people tend to not like him because he's not a sexy name right now, so he probably goes a little bit later than that in real drafts, and I'm okay with that. He's a really good... I mean, you could take him at the end of the second for all I care, but he's a really good early third-round target. If you're wondering where John Moran ended up, 27 is the answer. He fell a full round for no reason at all, other than Yahoo was like, maybe we overdid it. So expect his ADP to fall like a boulder over the coming weeks. He got a bunch of drafts in where he was going in that 13-14 range. Now you're going to see a bunch of drafts where he goes around later, and the ADP will slowly creep down. He's at 15.4 right now after being in the 13 range. I think if we check back in on this at the end of the week or maybe beginning of next week, you'll probably see that number in the 18-19 range. And then the question is really how far does it go? Jimmy Butler's pre-rank has been dropped all the way to 28, which, uh, you know, this is one of those situations where he was maybe 
a little risky where he was going before, which was 18, 19, 20, but two-thirds of a round later, hell yeah, I'll take Butler in the third. I got no problem with that at all. I, You know, again, a lot of what I do is Roto Games Cap stuff, but like, Look, Jimmy missed 25 games last year, and he was still number 32 by totals, which is kind of a floor for him. If he's really going near 30, then absolutely you take a guy at their floor. That's wonderful. We'll have a couple other names like that coming up here in the next uh, half a round or so. Pascal Siakam at 28, that's, you know, this is a, oh, here's a guy who's pretty well cataloged. Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 30 is not someone you look at on the uh, head-to-head side. But per game, you can start to give him a look there because he was 34 per game last season after kind of getting off to a slow start. He's very much a third-round per-game kind of guy production-wise. I don't know if that's the direction I go here because the expectation is he probably does miss 15 to 25 games. He missed 26 games last year again. If you're going to take that guy, don't you take the one who has first round per game potential instead of the one who's like second or third round per game potential? I'm kind of walking you into the answer to that one. Rudy Gobert, 31. That's a fine spot for him, I suppose. Yeah, I got no problem with that. Cade Cunningham at 32. That's earlier than I would take him. I've said it before. A lot of stuff needs to break right for Cade to get to make that Mega leap between year one and year two. He's number 90 per game last season. Big turnovers need to get fixed. Very low field goal percent needs to get fixed. Other stuff is pretty good. And if you increase the usage, points, threes, boards, eh, boards don't change. Assists goes up. Like, there's a lot of stuff you like. Free throw percent is a positive for Cade. He's better. Talked about this on, I think, Friday's show or Thursdays. He has a better stat set than your typical, what you'd call kind of like a shooting guard profile. He's more of like a shooting guard, point guard hybrid type of game because he gets more assists and he gets more steals and blocks than your typical, you know, Clay Thompson shooting guard type profile. But he has all those young player knocks, which is really high turnover, is very poor field goal percent. Fixing one of those two probably moves him into that. Now, 40-50 range. Fixing both is where he's going here, but I don't... You know, that's that's asking a lot of a second-year player. I think he does get there. At some point in Cade's career, he's probably a second-rounder, but now? Uh, you kind of need him to be one if he's going to beat this mark on a team that... You know, the Pistons... It does feel like they're not quite ready to take that flying leap forward yet. It seems like you're probably in a bit of a semi-tank again this year. Bradley Beal at 33. The now we're starting to get into a range where I would look at Beal. He was not somebody I was considering at the end of the second round. Now he's in the middle of the third, and we're, we're sniffing it. We're sniffing it. He was 72 last year per game. Turnovers were nasty high at 3.4. Field goal percent was lower. But the real issue for Beal was that his usage was just not as high as it had been. Down a couple shots per game. Three-pointers were down. Scoring was way down. And, I, you know, I'm not a guy who tends to target scoring. But I'll tell you, like, we know what Beal can be. I'm probably still not taking him here in the 30s. Not with the, some of the names that are on the board behind him. I guess if you drop him down like seven or eight more slots, I'd have a much tougher time arguing against 
spiel. But I want to give you a handful of names here before we wrap up today's Labor Day show. Because this is not going to be a long one. I, I know many of you are not going to be listening today. Maybe you get into it tomorrow. Uh, the names behind Bradley Beal. One, two, three, four in particular. But really kind of almost like five out of six. And arguably like six out of eight of the coming names are guys that I would classify as the... I don't know if there are any like second rounders that you can call like old men that are falling other than maybe Damian Lillard. But this is like the first true falling old men chunk because we had Van Vliet a little earlier and Butler a little earlier. Like their their names spaced out in there. But now we've got six old man style players, even if one or two of them are not actually as old as the others. But you got six old man type guys out of eight pre-ranks in a row between 35 and 41. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I guess that's seven, isn't it? What am I missing here? Did I screw up a, a one, two, three, four, not five, yes, six, not seven, not... Oh, 34. 34 to 41. I got this. Just stick with me here, friends. I'll, I'll get there. Hey, before I give you these last few names, I want to remind you guys again to check out the Fantasy Pass and the Draft Guide. But I also mentioned that there was some other stuff I wanted to lay on you here. And that is Sports Ethos Leagues are open now. Want to play in a listener league with other folks that listen to this podcast or read Sports Ethos? Hell yeah, you do. There are also Sports Ethos pros intermingled in those as well as... Uh, Sports Ethos podcast hosts, guys that cover some of the teams here for the website, staff members, but heavily, it's a listener league, which is really cool. Like a lot of you folks that got into these because you just happen to enjoy this podcast. Well, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email roster at sportsethos.com. If you don't have Twitter, roster at sportsethos.com. Let me know you want to be involved in one of our listener leagues. I'll get you in touch with our, my good buddy, Andre. He is organizing all of them, but I am happy to be the hub of that wheel. and I'll get you out to the right spoke. It's a weird metaphor. Andre is a spoke in this particular metaphor. Uh, and we'll get you uh, situated. We got roto leagues. We got a head-to-head. We got some dailies. We got some weeklies. We got some cash. We got some free if you're just getting into it, jump into one of the free leagues. You can kind of practice there. If you want to, you know, battle against some of the best fantasy players, which, by the way, you guys that listen to these pods, you guys are really, really good at fantasy sports. Like, it's it's crazy to think when you compare to just someone who's sort of kind of dabbles how far ahead you guys all are. If you want to have some true competition, you play each other. So hit me up about that. Also, we continue to recruit here at Sports Ethos. We badly need folks that are into DFS. That's a division on the grow. Hit me up about that. We also are looking for writers on the NBA, NFL, and MLB full season fantasy side. And if you want to cover a team as a podcast host, that's another reason to hit me up on Twitter as well. Or again, you can email roster at sportsethos.com. Once again, the Twitter spelling, Dan, that's an easy part. You can do Dan. Bespris, B-E-S-B-R-I-S. B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, it's S's and Sam. All right, last eight names we're going to talk about, and uh, then we'll put a, a pin in this bad boy until tomorrow when we'll either do more of the new pre-ranks or get into the Mitchell trade 
if some other shoe drops there. Pre-rank 34 is Kawhi Leonard, which right now might be the worst pre-rank on the board. I know that's a very ballsy statement to make, but I just I want to point at the year 2000. This is not a Conan O'Brien bit, by the way. I want to point at the year 2000 when Kawhi Leonard was number six on a per-game basis. 25 points, six and a half boards, five assists, 1.6 steals, 0.4 blocks, two threes on terrific percentages, 51 from the field, 89 at the foul line, low turnovers, everything you like at all. He played in 52 out of 72 games that year. That was the, that was the bubble season. Despite missing 20 ball games, Kawhi Leonard was still number nine by totals. Yahoo has Leonard missing 21 games this year. So if the first thing you thought was also the first thing I thought, which was, oh, maybe they've got him down at 34 because they've got him missing 30 games. Well, no, they don't. They've got him down at pre-rank 34 for reasons almost unknown. Like they've still got him at, eh, they got him at like one and a quarter steals, which is probably a little low on Kawhi, just, you know, based on career arc for this dude. 1.2 is way below. He's actually never had a season below 1.6. That was the lowest he'd ever posted outside of rookie year. He was at 1.3, but he only played 24 minutes a game that season. Every other year when he's been around 30 minutes per game or more, he's been at about 1.8 steals. That's his, that's his mark. In his entire career, 31 minutes a game, 1.8 and 0.6 blocks. So if you're looking at that last year where he was number six per game, his steals and blocks were actually on the low side. And if you're thinking, what about games missed in all of this? Uh, sorry, that was actually the scheduled 72 gamer. That was not the bubble year. The bubble year was the year before where he played in 57 out of 72 games. So he actually only missed 15 that season. There's always been this thing about Kawhi where because he has those rest days, we kind of click it in our head that he's missing like half the season. But his games played number recently is actually a lot better than a lot of guys that we've already talked about. Like Paul George, when Kawhi's been on the been healthy enough to play, his per games lately have been or his total games, I should say, have been better. Even in Toronto, where they bubble-wrapped the crap out of that dude, he only missed 22 games that year. And then, obviously, his last year in San Antonio, he played nine. But, you know, there were rest days involved before that, and he was still getting into the 70s. Like, so, there's this thing, and then you're like, oh, Dan, what about guys that are getting drafted around 100 that end up as a top 50 player? Yeah, those guys are big impact dudes, too, for your fantasy team. But I want you to remember the difference in value between a mid to late third rounder and a first rounder is about the same as the difference between a third rounder and a guy drafted like in the seventh or eighth. So value-wise, it's pretty similar. Like if you can get somebody in the third who's a first, that is as important or maybe even more important especially on the Roto Games Cap side, because you want that per-game mega production, then someone you draft at 100 who ends up near 35. 
And those guys are always going to get all the fanfare. But like Chris Paul a couple years ago was maybe the most valuable pick on the board because he was going at 30 and he finished by totals. Wasn't he like number five or six? That might have been the most important pick on the board. It's hard to reconcile that in your brain because the difference is like 65 roster spaces or rank spaces versus like 25. But that's the way the value jumps as you get near the top of the board. We'll see what happens with Kawhi. Maybe he bounces back a little bit here, but in a games cap format and, you know, in head-to-head too, because, and we talked about this on Friday, his games missed tend to be in one or two game chunks, which doesn't derail a fantasy team the way that someone who misses a month in the fantasy playoffs does. We talked about it on Friday also. Kawhi Leonard that year, I'm talking about, I'm spending a lot of time on him here, but like, Julius Randle was the example I used on Friday of someone who played in basically one extra game every single week, and Kawhi still beat him on a totals basis. I don't know who you're going to find this year that's also like a third-rounder who plays every single ball game versus Kawhi who doesn't, but there you go. The other names on this list, Chris Paul at 35. He's actually moved down a tiny bit. I love it. Time Lord at 36. He continues to slip. I love it. Yes, he's going to miss some games, but... I don't care. Dude was on the turn per game last season. And then Vooch, who's kind of a different monster in that range, because per game-wise, he probably isn't that far from third round. You know, that's, like, effectively where he was last season. But, played in a crap ton of games, and he was number 18 by totals. Vooch was 29 per game. I don't think he gets worse. Dude couldn't throw a stone in the ocean for the first four months of the year. Zach Levine at 38. That's fine. That's about where he probably should be. Chris Middleton at 39 is kind of a nice one because per game wise, you know, he's going to be right in that range. He was 41 last year. He'll probably play in about league average number of games. So he's a guy that I would feel pretty comfortable taking now that we're into the fourth round. DeAndre Ayton at 40. I'm fine with that as well. And then Drew Holiday at 41 who consistently outperforms his draft slot. He was number 33 last year, uh, and he did it, I thought, almost with his eyes closed because you know, the Bucks were sort of floating through that season. They were coming off the championship, and none of these guys was playing all that hard, and they were still putting up really good numbers. Giannis was number 10, Holiday was 33, Middleton was 41, and they all basically played in, in league average number of games. And that's actually where I want to stop today on Drew Holiday because things take a little bit of a different turn right after him on the board, at least right now. Uh, and so tomorrow, we'll probably go pick 42 through the end of the draft and any other breaking news that uh, rolls on out your way. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you guys have a lovely and relaxing Labor Day. This went longer than I expected because that's what I do. I am Dan Bespris. Put an at symbol in front of that if you want to find me on the socials. And I hope to talk to you over there. Until tomorrow, I guess, unless I see you on social media. So long, everybody.